Testing, testing. All right, sweet. Testing, testing. Stay with me, don't let me go. And I can't hear you. Hey, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Are we friends? We're totally friends. Would you consider me your biffle? Best friends forever, but for life is for life. Yeah. Best friends for life. Yeah. I can't say you're like the biffle. Ah. I have multiple biffles. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not saying that I need to be the only one. Um, it's like 50s dating, you know? Like, we can, we can have other biffles. This isn't exclusive. Ever since I was a small boy, I've been obsessed with movies, books, and music. But as I grow older, I've begun to realize that these things increasingly miss the mark of fulfilling who we are meant to be. But they seem to have a common theme. They point us to a greater story, a greater adventure, a greater love, a greater joy. On this show, we dive into some of our favorite themes in songs, books, and movies so that we can begin the discussion of what our fascination with these stories actually reveal. A desire for something more. A desire for the unknown. A desire for love. A desire for God. Welcome to the adventure. Let's get started. Welcome back to the adventure. Welcome to the Christ and Culture. This is Steve. And this is Gordon. Welcome, welcome back, y'all. It has been a whole week since we've last checked in with you. It has been a whole 45 seconds since we've recorded. Uh, It's true. So, welcome back. Uh, Thank you for all of that. So, Gordon, uh, how have things been in the past 45 seconds? Uh, What's new in your life? They've been good. Um, The only thing that's new is people are asking me to... Come hang out and party. Oh. And I have to go record a pod, go edit a podcast. <laughs> well, thanks for the invite. Uh, people who invited Gordon to things but didn't want to invite me. Um, sounds like I'm a loser. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's new with me is uh, in five minutes I was supposed to meet someone for a coffee and I had to tell them that I'm not able to get there and they're going to come out towards me. So Aww. shout out to Mackenzie. I was about to say, what's her name? We should shout her out. Yeah, like, Mackenzie. At least for, 10 times in this podcast. I know, just for being awesome. Um, breaking news, though, uh, since the last time we recorded, which again was a few minutes ago, um, I looked Gordon deep in the eyes and said, Gordon, do you consider us friends? And he said, yeah. And I said, do you consider us biffles? And he was like, best friends for life? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I was like, Great. So Gordon and I are Biffles. Uh, we're best friends, and um, it's not exclusive. You know, he, he's made sure to make that clear. Yeah. But uh, well, it's I'm a not first saying step. it's not exclusive. I'll like let people know if you want me to. Yeah. But... Well, we're letting the world know. Yeah, that's I guess it's true. We're, we've already done it. Yeah, as you can tell, I got a lot weirder in the past couple minutes. Second um, podcasts always are weirder than the first. Yeah. I haven't taken any new media. I just sang the song from last week's podcast in between the recordings to uh, this week. So if anything, Gordon has intaken, I guess, took in my uh, singing attempts at singing. I also did today watch, rewatch the Where All the Wild Things Are movie, Mm. which in podcast time would be a week ago, but in recording time, same day. So today I watched that movie. Cool, cool, cool. Well... Insert segue here. We're going to talk about where the wild things are. We are. So I've been wanting to talk about this for a while, mm-hmm. but 
which by the way i didn't tell you this last time we recorded but that was episode 40 oh man that stinks that we didn't say something yeah this is we, episode 41 we should record something to tag on at the end of last week's okay we can do that um and so last week, you guys wouldn't have known that we didn't have a plan. Keep it in right here so and, they know. Yeah, and then you were like, "Oh, and it'll take you a whole week to realize that we were unprepared, even though it seemed like we were prepared." Yeah, but yeah, I've been wanting to do this for a while, but never really have because who cares about children's books anymore? Um, children. Yeah, exactly. And the <laughs> podcast isn't for children, but I'm obsessed with where the wild things are. It's my favorite child child's book. Um, I love the movie. The movie was even adapted into like a chapter book for teenagers. I own that. It's fantastic. And I have it tattooed on my body. He does actually have it tattooed on his body. Not like the book, but like... The whole, <laughs> every lyric all over him. Face and everything. It's not, there's only 10 sentences in the book, so... Yeah, well, they're, so, like, they're prison tattoos on his neck. Yeah. yeah. Is there really only 10 sentences? There's only 10 sentences in the book. Wow. I've actually never read it. Well, we're going to read it today. Okay. There we go. <laughs> Learning something new. Do I get the pictures at least? Yeah, I can show you the pictures. I got the book. Oh. Got my little figurine, just like you guys had. Oh yeah. Who'd you guys have for Moana? Um, hey hey. Maui. Yeah, we had Hey Hey, and then we had a Maui. Yeah. So I have Carol, who is the OG monster in the book. And when they had, when they did the adapted movie, fun thing about the movie from the book is the book's like very simple, not a lot. Definitely for kids. Kind of weird. Movie is not as much for kids. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's kind of like more directed to young adults. Um, and it's just very serious. The themes in there are like dealing with being alone and being in a mess of a life and like trying to have someone or something fix it so you can be happy. Mm. I wonder if it was the movie was because people read the book while they were younger. And by the time people who read it when they were younger were older, the movie well, I did came a out. lot of research before this podcast today on that and it was spike jones is the director he's done like being um being malkovich Mm. and like other other like really weird movies and warner brothers produced it so warner brothers obviously kind of like a kid like movie industry and they were going for more of a kid-friendly movie or like teenagers and he was just wrapping his brain around for like years, or not years, for as long as he could when they like proposed the idea to him, how do I do that with a book that's all like less than 150 words? Like, how do I make a movie? And till he had like this eureka moment that he would not make it a children's movie at all. Like if he made it more edgy and like real world, then it would make more sense to where it's like the characters in the movie are kids and kid friendly, but the concepts and the themes are like, deep yeah deep and growing up hmm. and warner brothers did not appreciate that as much some of the viewers that went to see the movie didn't like appreciate it i ate it up i loved it it's it's that same edgy angstiness that is my younger self and so it made sense that leads you to listening to old songs yes. that also lead your new songs and podcasts like last week or earlier today so or welcome. this week with all this good stuff so. so grab like some tea grab like some milk warm it up Grab a blanket, sit down. We're going to have story time with Stephen Gordon <laughs> reading Where the Wild Things Are. Can you do it um, for my sake in different voices? Oh, they don't really have like voices things, but maybe I'll try. Okay. Well, I didn't know if there was any quotes. Again, I have never read the book. Yeah, there's like some quotes, but not, not many. Can you just 
do that. Indulge me. Yeah. Uh, he's not prepared for this, folks. I literally just sprung this on him. No, I'm not, but we'll figure it out. So, <laughs> Where the Wild Things Are, Story and Pictures by Maurice Sendak. And we're going to have to stop, obviously, in between pages to talk about themes. I actually did a talk with this book on a retreat once. Hmm. So, I don't think the kids liked it as much as I was having a blast up on the stage. <laughs> so, it starts out with... The beginning, as it would, it says then the knight Max wore his wolf suit and made mischief of one kind and another. And I'll show you the pictures real quick. And then it says yes. another on the next page. So he's nailing things up, making a fort. Now he's chasing his dog down the stairs with a fork. Um, and I kind of got to stop here because I love, like, until I like pulled this book off my shelf just when we're doing like podcasts to see what Christian themes I could find. Mm-hmm. The fact that when he's doing mischief and evil things, he has to put on a suit mm-hmm. like it's not himself and of all suits it's a wolf suit mm. which if we're sheep then like wolf is a polar opposite so he's like not in his own skin and he's the evil mm. of our what we're used to do you have anything else to add in those small few words i think that it's true i so i actually completely different all i could, so i thought of wolf in sheep's clothing there you go. Okay. Um, but then I thought of a different term. Uh, at work, we were talking about... Um, so I forget who, who it was. It wasn't necessarily at work. It was like somebody I was talking to about what I did. And they mentioned... Um, you know, we were like talking about like, oh, like how we wish... Um, like somebody was like teasing and they were like, oh, we should just like infiltrate some of these like pro-abortion or like you know like places that are like for them and we should just like pretend that we're sympathetic and then just destroy them from the inside and they were like yeah we'll just have to be like a a sheep in wolves clothing (laughs) which i thought was kind of funny and so when you said that i thought of that and um it really doesn't mean anything it just was kind of a funny anecdote except for the idea that a sheep in wolf's clothing in this sense and maybe in our like actual life Mm -hmm. like when we when we sin we were like putting on Wolf's clothing, Wolf's yeah. Wolf's clothing to do Yeah, and, and there actually is something deep there where in a lot of ways we are the sheep, right? And right. Christ is our shepherd. But we, when we sin, we're less like sheep, which people think that sheep are really stupid. They're actually pretty intelligent animals. I found out. Okay. So I didn't, I'm pretty I sure didn't, they're dumb. But. I did actually, yeah, I didn't know this, but they're actually relatively intelligent. They can actually distinguish voices and they like know individuals and like they know that like if it's not somebody or like even an animal, like if you had like a new border collie, they don't respond to what, like they recognize voices, they recognize people hmm. um, and they will run away from anything that they don't know. Um, and I found I found that out, and I was like, "Oh, I always thought they were just really yeah. dumb." Um, they're not like the smartest animal, but they're definitely not as dumb as people always like right. make it out to be. That they're easily shepherded, like they can be like pushed and like guided in those ways, and like they're they have like almost like a blind faith to their shepherd. But if somebody else calls them, they don't recognize the voice, and they'll they'll run away. And Christ yeah. kind of talks about that, like yeah. how the sheep won't recognize the voice that isn't of the shepherd. But I think yeah, like we put on this clothing to be predatorial when. At our core, we're not. Um, mm-hmm. It's only through sin and our fallen nature and concupiscence that we have that sort of like selfish, predatorial nature. Mm-hmm. When our true natures are to live in community and to you know follow God, right, and to sort of allow Him to guide our lives yeah. um, in peace and harmony, and not to be sort of conniving 
in terror, like, you know, hunting um, and prowling about the world, seeking the ruin of souls like Satan. Right. Uh, funny side note, since you're talking about what someone you know said about sheep and sheep wolf clothing. Um, mm-hmm. So with one of our deans yesterday and one of them, I don't know if this is true, but if it is, it's hilarious. If it's not, it's still hilarious. But he said, was talking about how he heard that Father Larry, my pastor, used to drive by this abortion clinic that was like right down the street from our church. Mm-hmm. It's closed, closed down now. And just like peg them with balloons filled with holy water. Like not the people, <laughs> but the building itself. That is awesome. All right. Moving on in the book. All right. So then it says, his mother called him a wild thing. Or his mother called him a wild thing. Which is, that's, my, that's my motherly voice. Mm. And Max said, I'll eat you up. And he, so he was sent to bed without eating anything. So there he goes. His mischief got him in trouble. He's, he's sent to bed. Mm-hmm. She was obviously making dinner. She's like, you're not going to eat anything. He's mad. I think what's funny there is he says, I'll eat you up. And she was like, well, you're just not going to eat then. <laughs> yep. That very night in Max's room, a forest grew. Mm, interesting. I, I want to point out, though, in the last page that it's very small. But it's really easy to see with a child acting up and then grounding. But there are consequences to our actions. Yes. Um, exactly. consequences to sin. Exactly. There is a consequence. And I think kind of the remainder of this book is running away from that consequence. Mm. So as the forest is about to grow in his room, this is, he's, it's all in his head. It's imagination. But in the movie, it's he's really running away. And then even... In the movie, in the beginning, his mom is a single mom trying to raise him, mm. and she's having a tough time at work. And at one point, like she gets a phone call that like one of something she was doing for a job is falls through, and she looks at her son. She's like, "I could use a story," and it's like this idea of like his stories take her away from reality for a second and like distract her from what's really going on in life. And it's like, that's like that's healthy, but in some sense, running away from our problems and running away from sin is not right. So right, well, running away from sin is healthy. Ignoring that we're sinful right. is not helpful. Yes. You know what I meant. Yes. But thanks for clarifying. That. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the forest grew, and it grew even more. He looks so giddy. He's loving it. And it grew until the ceiling hung with vines, and the walls became the world all around. So now it's no longer mm-hmm. his bedroom, but is now his very own world mm-hmm. that he can do what he wants with. And an ocean tumbled with a private boat for Max, and he sailed off through night and day. So... Previously, he was in his own world, or in the real world, and nothing was work like he was having fun, and then nothing turned out right for him. So I love like the term it was a private boat for him, like showing like he's in control here, mm-hmm. he's on top of the world, even though he just got grounded. Like the consequences for what he's doing, now he's just ignoring it. He's like, nah, I'll just go to my own place where yeah. I'm the king. Mm-hmm. And in and out of weeks, and almost over a year, there where the wild things are, and he like just kind of like got scared he just came up ashore i like that he's been grounded and he's like he's talking about like weeks in a year like he's been sailing for this a very long time yep and when he came to the place where the wild things are they roared their terrible roars and gnashed their terrible teeth and rolled their terrible eyes and showed their terrible claws and i feel like this is thread through his eyes so it's almost a little judgmental mm-hmm. he's still kind of like i'm better than you guys but they also are monsters, so who knows? Till Max said, Be still, and tame them with the magic trick of staring into all their yellow eyes without blinking once. And they were frightened and called him the most wild thing of all. 
what I do love here, and something when I gave my talk I didn't even mm-hmm. like, call out was the word be still, mm-hmm. which is definitely like a scriptural word. And like there's that thing when people say if you hear thoughts of scripture come up during prayer, that's like clearly God speaking to you. Yeah. And he used that and that worked in calming these beasts. Right. So he's in, now on his own land, but there's these beasts that showed up that are terrible and he's using like scripture. Right. right. And even if you were to use like the idea of like beasts in a biblical sense of right. like of like evil and demons and sin, that even they've obeyed Christ. Like even demons and the devil are compelled to obey God because God is the one with the power. Yeah. Um, even though they hate him to say, like we, we had a, um, an exorcist speak to us in college, um, which is really, really cool. And he was talking about, you know, he didn't necessarily like all the exorcism movies that were out because they weren't true to his experiences, which is when there was actually a possession, he would cry out silent and be still. He's like, I bind you to the foot of the cross now be silent and be still and like at that point the demon could do nothing like they were silenced they were commanded to be still and they were right. and this was all through the power of the cross they were bound to the foot of the cross they right. could not do anything in face of jesus in the cross yeah um, which i thought was just amazing yeah so and because of that they made him his king and now cried max let the wild rumpus start and so i think it's funny because i think when we do run away from our problems we run mm-hmm. away like kind of ignoring the consequences of things we like this idea of being crowned king crowned king in our own world like in, mm-hmm. our, in like a perfect world we're on top but in reality like we are in our baptism mm-hmm. you know we're baptized priest prophet and king right and it's just like this remembrance of that continues on they're wild and they're rumpusing around just a good time <laughs> they're rumpusing yeah the wild rumpus which is just uh, in a interview with Maurice Sendak, they asked him what a rumpus was, and it's he said it's whatever makes you joyful. Mm. So literally, he's saying it, that was just a call, like don't forget to strive for joy in like this mm. running away of issues. They're still rumpusing, but as you can see, it's now daytime. So they went from night to day, partying all night. They're still rumpusing. Their page just just having a blast. This is when it gets interesting because he says now stop. Max said, I can show you the picture later. Now stop, Max said, and sent the wild things off to bed without their supper. And Max, the king of all the wild things, was lonely and wanted to be where someone loved him best of all. And so here, you know, he's having a good time with these beasts and him saying stop and they have to stop still shows that he's in control here. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, whenever, like, if you have siblings, whenever, like, your parents would ground you or if ever one of your older siblings was like rough on you and you had a younger siblings you'd be rough on them mm-hmm. like okay i'm gonna pick on someone my smaller size so he just did the same thing to them where he sent them to sleep without let the, without their supper yeah because um, now he's like getting back but even after doing that he's just sitting there while they're sleeping and he's lonely he's now realizing like this is all temporary and he wants to be somewhere where there is this where he's loved mm-hmm. best of all like, there's a greater love, and this is a small love, but it's not, it's not the best. And then all around, from far across the world, he smelled good things to eat. So he gave up being king of where the wild things are. So he could see smelled where there was something better. But the wild things cried, oh, please don't go. We'll eat you up. We love you so. And Max said no. And I can't picture what these wild things are, if they're bad, if they're good. And one thing I read, like, the fact that they're 
considered terrible, but then like welcome him in is like a really good message mm-hmm. um, of like judgment of like first first impressions. Mm-hmm. But another thing is when I gave the talk is I kind of use the monsters as temptation. He ran off during his consequences into meeting these monsters that were like the temptation of mischief, and they welcomed him in. They made him his king because they're like, "You're so great, you're awesome." And then as he's leaving, like, "No, don't, please don't go. Like, we love you. Yeah, we'll like if we feel enough to eat you to keep you here, we'll do that. We just want you to stay here." And like that's these voices that we hear all the time. Yeah, like, like do this. Like, you're awesome. We, we love you. But like, if you go back, it's not right. The best of all love. And so once again, the wild, you have something? Well, I'm just, I'm going to wait. Okay. Yeah. So last of all, the wild things roared their terrible roars. They gnashed their terrible teeth. They rolled their terrible eyes and they showed their terrible claws. But Max stepped into his private boat and waved goodbye and sailed back over a year and in and out of weeks and through a day and into the night of his very own room where he found his supper was waiting for him. So here he is back in his room. Finally actually taking off Mm -hmm. the wolf outfit. Dinner's actually there. And it was still hot. And when I gave my talk, I used the dinner and the fact that it was still warm and hot as, like, God's Mm -hmm. love. Yeah. Like, there's this consequence, but there's this also reality to... Yeah, so I I think we're in the same brain. Oh, you should have said same boat. Oh! Or we'll just edit it. (laughs) Yeah, so... I think we're in the same boat on that one. Pun intended. When I heard that, I kind of saw it as as like our, our draw towards sin. Okay? Uh, almost like St. Augustine, like Augustinian sort of thing, right? Right. Of he was doing these bad things, he sort of gets punished, and he sort of runs from that, and he goes, and he just embraces it, right? And so he goes, and like when we t- give ourselves over to our sin, right? Like, we're rumpusing, we're having a grand old time. Right. Um, but I think as he recognized at some point, like, he eventually quieted his passions enough. Like, he stopped rumpusing enough to be like, all right, now let me just finally. And he finally realized, now wait, there's something missing. I'm having a grand old time, but there's something missing. And that's when he smelled this, this something better, right? He smells dinner, but it's this metaphor for God where he realizes this has been fun, but it's empty. Right. And he smells something, or he senses something that's greater and fulfilling. And he goes back home, and it's waiting for him, still warm, still hot. It's, it's, it's God's love is always there waiting and ready for us. I think that that's kind of what I took from, from yeah. the book. Yeah, no, totally. Um, it's uh, it's funny, too, because like, the movie just takes it a lot deeper in the sense of, in the beginning, they show he really has no friends. He's talking to a fence in the snow, and he's like, you go that way, you go that way. And then he's like, don't talk to me like that. You're a stupid fence. And like kicks the fence. And he's like, no friends. He has an older sister. who's like not paying any much attention to him. And so this imaginative world makes like a lot more sense in, in the fact that that's what he does all the time. Mm-hmm. And so when he accidentally bites his mom when he says, I'll eat you up, she like calls him a crazy, calls him out of control, calls him a wild thing, a monster. And so he runs out the door. And I think there's this message here in the movie of like believing who we are by what people say we are mm-hmm. versus who we really are because then later the same thing happens between max and carol who's the main character in the monsters where carol becomes crazy and max is like you're gonna eat me you're a monster you're scary 
and like runs off and one of the monsters like hides Max in her stomach. It's, it's a weird long story. But then Carol's talking to the other monster because he's trying to find him and he's like, am I really as bad as he says I am? And like you see this same thing happening again. Um, and there's this whole movie is just like this search for like just something to hold on to. When they make him king, they're like, can you keep the happiness? Or can you, can you keep the sadness out? Mm-hmm. He's like, I got a sadness shield that is big enough for all of us. And it'll keep, keep us happy mm. and keep all the sadness out. And so once okay. failure starts to link in and realize that he's not make, keeping him happy, then like he becomes like a bad king. And it's like all this stuff. And my favorite quote in the movie, speaking of loneliness, he t- when he's telling the story to his mom, she's like, I need a story. The story is, he's like, once upon a time, there were all these vampires. And they came into like the t- city. And one of the vampires tried to like bite one of the skyscrapers because that's what they eat buildings. And all of his teeth fell out. And so the vampire started crying. And all the vampires came up to him like, why are you crying? Weren't those your baby teeth? And he goes, no, those are my grown-up teeth. And so all the other vampires realize that he couldn't be a vampire anymore. And so they left him. The end. And, like, that was the story he told. And it was just, like, introspective of, like, his loneliness as a kid. And then later, Carol's showing him this world that he built out of sticks that he wanted his world to be. It was, like, the perfect world he built Mm -hmm. out of sticks. He's like, this is what our world's supposed to be. But it's not it. And so he's like, do you ever get that feeling that your teeth are falling out slowly one by one but you don't realize and then you realize you have like a lot of spaces and then before you know it you have no teeth anymore and like he's using the teeth as like a metaphor for friends Mm -hmm. but loneliness and like how like you're moving in life and then you turn and like look around and you realize you've strayed off way too far Mm -hmm. and like that's just the message you get the entire movie and nothing really changes when they come back on the boat in the in the book there's really no ultimate resolution he he comes back to the same consequence he's still shunned to his room yeah but there's there's a reminder of like hey i'm your mother i love you in the movie he comes back and when he leaves the monsters they're no better off than when he got there they're Mm -hmm. still kind of broken and sad but he's not their king there's there's actually someone yeah that's in charge of that do you have any challenges for the week oh man i didn't think about challenges um don't run for your sin turn to god (laughs) no i have something yeah going off on that am i really as bad as people say that to recognize that our worth is not something defined by others yeah that ultimately that which defines us is not anything that we do or anything that we say or any situation we find ourselves in we could find ourselves in the worst possible situation, um, but that is not what makes us. That is not what defines us. Um, ultimately, the only thing that defines us is God, is we are not the sum of our experiences. We are the sum of God's love for us, right? That we are made in his image and likeness, and he's what gives us dignity. Um, and to recognize that no matter how far we've strayed, we can we can always turn back, right? Is no matter how far in and no matter how deep in where the wild things are, we find ourselves, we can always come back home mm-hmm. to a nice piping hot meal at the supper of the lamb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would also just add on to the challenge <clears throat> that this week, this next week, find like one day to rumpus. To yeah. just do something joyful. Holy. Do a holy rumpus. Yeah. Holy rumpus. <laughs> but do something. Like treat yourself. Relax. Like mm-hmm. it's okay to take a break and just to find joy in like a small thing. Yes. Take Take time to leisure. That's something that I think we miss in our busy lives, but yeah. that we are made to, for leisure, that we are made to take 
a day. Yeah. Um, that's why we were given the Sabbath. That there, there is something to be able to take time to rest and to work on our relationship with God. Yeah. Right. To allow him to, to help us in our growth and to help us be fulfilled. Because um, mm-hmm. ultimately he's where fulfillment is found. Totally. So anyway, guys, let us know if there's anything you'd like to talk about. Email us, call us, text us, Facebook us. Share us. Share us. Any shout outs? I already mentioned Mackenzie. Anyone? I do not have one. Uh, All the, you we can't have remember. so many new listeners. No, I couldn't remember. Oh, I have to give a shout out to Shana. She is a friend of mine and she, I think she was in Vietnam. She is with some sisters, with some nuns. Um, and she was like over in Vietnam and she was listening to us while she was there. So she's helped us with our international footprint. Um, and she mentioned this to me the other day and she was talking about how much she likes our podcast. So shout out. And thank you guys for joining us for the adventure. And God yeah. bless and love y'all. See you next time.